it's more important to be authentic than to worry about being original. Because if you're authentic, it will come across as original because you'll be putting yourself into it. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. Hey, welcome back to The Truth About Marketing. It's Kevin Rogers here, and this is the show where you get to go deep with the actual doers, the people out there making it happen every day, building audiences, uh, converting sales, and, you know, running real businesses. So no more hearsay. Let's get to the truth. Today, my special guest is Tina Dietz. I met Tina about a month ago, and we hopped on Skype and just had the... <laughs> Uh, most fun chats I've had in a long time. We instantly got along, have a ton in common. She's a totally badass podcaster and business coach, and she's starting uh, a bunch of cool new formats with Blab and you know combining audio and visual and all kinds of cool stuff. So uh, I want to introduce you to uh, Tina, and let's find out what Tina's doing to grow her business in lots of cool, very now innovative ways. So Tina, and by the way, you can find Tina, so let me get the link in right up front, at creativebusinessoasis.com. Just go there. If you're on a mobile device, just go to that site and you can download uh, the show and see what Tina's up to right there. So Tina, thanks for being my guest today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this will be fun. So, so much to talk about, but I, I would really love to hear, you know, what's next for you because I could see that you're similar to me, you're not very content, just like in one format, right? <laughs> There's so, so many, <laughs> like so many cool things at our disposal. And like, I think one of the issues that people have is trying to decide to pick and choose, like, you don't want it to become a distraction, but you gotta, you know, you want to be using what platforms are available to you. So how do you decide, like how much sort of like testing something do you do before you decide I'm going with this? You know, it's not so much a matter of testing, I have found. I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made early on in my business was in trying to implement all of the conventional wisdom and all of the, these are the things that you should be doing to grow your audience conversations. Right. And that had me stuck for a long time doing things that I didn't really love to do. Mm. And I think that Regardless of the platform that you choose, if you love it and you are motivated to use it and you are ready to shout to the world about it, that's ultimately always going to serve you better mm. than trying to fit yourself into a box. I'm not, I'm not, no boxes, <laughs> no boxes. Yeah. So that's, that's really what's worked for me. Now, of course, there's the technical, like, is this actually going to logistically work? And, yeah, or, or be here six months from yeah, now. Yeah, is it going to mm -hmm. be here six months from now? And what is was it going to actually take for me to do this technically, monetarily, time-wise, all that? There's all those things. Mm -hmm. But again, if it's something that you just absolutely feel compelled to do and you're so excited about it, then you're more likely to overcome those issues than, so for example, me and blogging. Mm -hmm. I'm a showboat. I love to be in front of a microphone when I, my parents told me, you know, when I came out of the womb, I pretty much decided that any flat raised surface was a stage. 
And you grabbed the, the doctor's stethoscope and you said, is, is, this is this on? Is this thing on? Is this thing on? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to use that. That's a good one. And, and that's just kind of how I'm wired. Not everybody's like that. Right. But try to get me to sit in front of a blank piece of paper and write an article. Oh, Lord, no. That's, that's torture for me. You know, ask me a question, I'll go on for 15 minutes and I'll give you the entire rundown. Stick me in front of a blank piece of paper and say, write an article? Uh-uh. Right. So I tortured myself with that. And that's why um, these platforms like Blab and Periscope and podcasting, audiobooks have been so good for my business. And I think it's what's opening up for a lot of other people who are more comfortable or more prolific in speaking rather than writing. Yeah, great, great point. Is there, do you uh, ever repurpose your audio content, like have it transcribed and have an editor turn it into a blog post? Is there value in that? Or you're like, hey, yeah. find me where I live? Oh, no, I, I actually, I'm a huge, huge fan of, of repurposing. And I've had some folks say to me recently that they'd love to kill off the word leverage, but I love the word leverage. It's so descriptive. <laughs> and that's uh, one of my favorite things to do is to leverage content. I even have a whole you know, shebang that I do around, you know, 12 months of marketing in one hour that you can actually see how all the different ways and map out all the different ways you can use one piece of content. And I think that's mm. super important yeah. to do that. Yeah, I agree. You know, somebody very smart shared with me a, a great thing to do when you're a guest on a podcast is to have that transcribed. And, you know, you could have somebody on your team just pull out the bullet points of something you may not have covered in your own podcast. And then you just make a new show around that, right? Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. So you're not stealing from the host of the interview you just gave. You're just taking the takeaways and sort of reinventing them in a different format, right? Oh, yeah. I think my VA just got a whole bunch of new hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. And, you know, what's cool, uh, you know, I, tell me if you found this. It's like, man, you know, one thing I've had to train myself is like, stop thinking everybody's heard my message or certain messages, right? Right. Like, you know, we're creative people. We don't want to feel like a one trick pony, but man, it takes so many interactions with people to ever hear it, even for the first time. Do you find that? Yes, there is that. And um, I want a book that had a big impact on me in this last year was Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear. And in reading that, and I read it twice, which is really unusual for me, especially for a nonfiction book. I'm usually more of a sci-fi fiction, big character kind of novel reader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that book, I made it through twice quickly. And one of the points that she made that I really heard, and I probably have heard it six or seven, 18,000 different times, was that it's more important to be authentic than to worry about being original. Because if you're authentic, it will come across as original because you'll be putting yourself into it. Mm, love that. Yeah. And it kind of goes with what you said too about the platforms, right? It's Absolutely. like, you know, fine. it's got to feel good to you or you're not going to do it. Like you said with blogging, if it feels like torture, something's wrong. Take that as a sign that this may not be your thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, we fight that instinct, don't we? Like, no, this is what, this is what that one guru does. And this is what Somebody said to do, so I got to do it. But yes, the magic formulas and the magic books. But you know what's even worse, Kevin? What's that? We actually also resist initially, usually, the Mm. things that we love doing the most because we're concerned that it's not going to turn out the way we've envisioned it. 
Mm. Wow, that's heavy. So we, that. yeah, I know. Got deep real fast. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> so it's important to learn how to kind of distinguish, and this is almost even a really almost a physical process, even more than a mental process of being able to distinguish for yourself what am I resisting because I really it's not a good fit for me. What am I resisting because I'm concerned that I, I really, really want it so bad and I'm mm. concerned it's not going to turn out. And what am I resisting just because I'm being an idiot? So, <laughs> Right, right. I love that. So let's get the official checklist again. It's, <laughs> resistance comes well, in many forms. Yes, the three levels of resistance. The first one could be, uh, well, I, know, I remember three is idiot. <laughs> you're gonna remember you're the just idiot, an right? idiot. No, number two was uh, really a great one because you're so uh, married to the- You're so uh, attached. You're, you're so attached to the fantasy of what yes. it should be that you're afraid to- ruin that, right. which is kind of like fear of success, right? And th- what was the first one? And the first one was just that it really isn't a, a mm. good match for who you are and your expression and your gifts and talents. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, and that's really the the, the genuine reason why you should resist it because mm-hmm. it's, it's not a, yes. not a, wow. That's the good resistance. The other mm-hmm. two, those are the ones we, we, uh, we work on and that's where becoming a professional really comes into play. Awesome. And what would be inside that you're just an idiot? <laughs> Is there, is there like a tangible, <laughs> defi- well, is it, you know, well, like people mentioning it to you quite often that, you know, you're an idiot, right? Much like, if- like the fact that uh, resistance comes in many forms, idiocy also comes in many forms. <laughs> we have general jackassery all the way up through shenanigans. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, you know, what's the difference between life of the party and, you know, uh, wanted? Right, like that's the scale. Yeah, yeah. Usually the answer is pants. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's him, officer. (laughs) Without the pants, yes, that that one. (laughs) Oh man, Uh, you're funny, and I got to tell you, I'm going to mention this video, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Man, uh, you're not. uh, You said you just love a hot mic, and uh, do you have a lot of performance, stage performance background? I did a lot of performance when I was when I was growing up. I was through middle school, high school. It was really the the love of my life. And then, and this ties into the resistance conversation. When I went into college, I was absolutely clueless about theater and performance as an industry, or even how to really train in it. I had gone through really having you know vocal training and being you know the queen of the high school musical for years and all of that good stuff. But hitting that in college is a very different experience. And I honestly, I shut down. So I stopped performing and I went, oh, you know, I guess I'm not cut out for this. And I, and I ran away from it for a lot of years. And it was first, boy, I think my kids were like five and, and three when I finally came back around and started studying voice acting. Mm. And that opened up a whole new world for me. And it went from there into podcasting and from there into being an audiobook producer. So it really could, was kind of coming back around to my roots. Mm-hmm. And on inside of all of that is where, you know, getting back on the stage again started coming into play. Right. Yeah. So there's this great video of you doing a thing called Mo Monday, which you told me the cool story, which is this thing just sort of evolved into something, right? And, it, and it's, yeah. it's a storytelling format. And I don't know if the audience <laughs> that from your video is always this live, but yeah, as a decade long stand-up comic, I mean, there's no, no greater feeling than an audience this hot. But what I love 
And to your credit, like you knew it and you just absorbed it and you took it a level higher. And that to me is a sign of a great performer. You just like belong up there. And this is a great video. So I recommend everybody go watch it and just watch how, how Tina holds this audience in the palm of her hand telling your stories. And my favorite, your opening line is, I love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> it's like, yes, I can, I can relate to that. It's like, yes, and again, not original, but authentic. <laughs> but authentic, yes. It's great. I love it. So, okay, cool. I don't want to get too far from what I originally promised. I want to talk about, you know, these different formats because everything, you know, like Periscope for me was something I tried and was like, I don't know. I just, I don't like all this like begging for hearts and telling people to go invite your friends to come here and do all this stuff. Right. Yes. But I like agree. a lot, a lot of things have their first iteration and then in best case, something quickly comes along and you're like, oh, this is what we wish we thought this was, but we didn't even know we wished that yet. Right. Yeah. And like, that's kind of what blab is to me. I, you, you're how you're starting a blab show and I've done a couple myself and I really dig the format. What's better about blab? What's better about blab? A couple of things. One is that the, you can access the format from a mobile device as well as from a desktop, mm. a periscope. I had somebody tell me once that they felt like periscope was one long video selfie. Yeah. And I thought that was really apropos. Mm -hmm. Just, I would much rather have interaction on a, on a deeper scale. And I wasn't real happy with, the whole Periscope, I, I guess I call it a vibe, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. just the, the culture that seemed to spring up around it. Yeah. Blab, on the other hand, seems to be attracting a lot of folks who are really love almost a talk show format. So that's that's what I would say it's closest to, is uh, if you could just start your own kind of public access show and have it be a talk show, that's pretty much Blab right there. So you've got up to four video screens active at any one time. You have control over what screens are open and what screens are closed. Um, I love that. So you can have different people on. And I love the live interaction. I also mm -hmm. love that if somebody's in the feed and commenting, it looks like a Twitter feed and asking questions about the show or introducing themselves, that doesn't repost to their Twitter feed. So there is some level of privacy there. Mm -hmm. The other nice thing about Blab is that when you record it, their recording format is actually quite good. The The sound quality and the video quality that you get from your recordings, as long as you're recording on decent equipment, comes off uh, and, and is downloadable. Just it's, it's really nice and very repurposable. So that's really allowed us to develop a show that has a live component, but also then allows us to repurpose that show and have a recorded show. Places like YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher. We've just applied to Spotify and uh, Stitcher and, you know, iHeartRadio and all of those good formats. Awesome. Yeah. And so if people haven't seen it, uh, just go check out some Blabs. Is is there a general uh, link to that world of Blab? Do you happen to know? Well, Blab.im is the, the link just for Blab itself. Mm -hmm. And if you want to check out my Blab show and see how that actually works, there's the recordings are available at what you said before, creativebusinessoasis.com. Yeah. Excellent. Great. And uh, yeah, very cool. And the other thing I, I think you can't do with Blab that you can't do with Hangout is show screen. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. You cannot share screen. There aren't those there. Uh, Hangouts definitely has some widgets 
that are kind of cool. Like I, I particularly like the ones where you can do the sound effects and uh, like put funny hats on people. (laughs) I do too. That's a good time. So I do like hangouts as well. I, I do find though that even though Blab is still kind of in its infancy, it is because it is kind of stripped down and simple to use, Mm -hmm. it has had a a lot fewer technical difficulties Mm -hmm. than Hangouts historically has had. Yeah, I've had definitely had some issues there. Cool. Yeah, I like that. I'm, I'm going to try and experiment more with it. I can't wait to see your episodes. I know as we record this, you're just getting ready to launch this. But by the time this airs, creativebusinessoasis.com is where everybody can go. Plug in and get you some Tina Deets. Yes, come um, on. All right, Tina, I'm going to ask you the essential question of the show. I hope yeah. you remember it and you've prepared. <laughs> this is the case study ready. portion of the show. And I'm really excited to hear your answer because you're doing so much cool stuff. So Tina Dietz, what is the one thing you've done in your marketing that has produced the most surprising results? So the answer I'm going to give you, and I I actually gave some long and hard thought to this, is going to initially sound like something that is not duplicatable for most people. But I'm going to explain, and then we'll actually break it down to, to give people some access to doing this kind of thing for themselves, okay? Awesome. Okay. So the single most surprising thing I ever did for my marketing that produced the most results was moving to Costa Rica. Mm. Okay. So (laughs) in the work that I do with clients, one of the things that I do is create these five-year strategic vision plans. These are not business plans. These are really guides for your life and your business together so that you don't burn out and you are producing results in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. In mine, I had had living a mobile lifestyle at my five-year mark, and we made that happen in three years. So what that looked like was we sold our house, we sold our stuff, myself, my husband, our two kids, and we up and moved to Costa Rica. Now, for somebody who talks about <laughs> things like, you know, lifestyle freedom, this is a very good thing. This is very mm-hmm. much an integrity. And while I was there, I hosted a teleclass, not a webinar, a teleclass called Five Keys to Unlock Your Business Oasis. I had had this epiphany about uh, lifestyle business or any, any business really can be created to serve not just the client and the customer, but also to nourish and refresh the owners, the employees, the people working in it. And if a company was really designed like that, so that everybody involved with it was supposed to thrive, then the ripple effect of what that could create in this world is pretty enormous. Mm-hmm. But without expanding, expounding upon that, what happened was is that I was so moved by this concept And I was so thrilled at having met my own goals and stayed in integrity with my own goals that I wrote the fastest copy, like it just like fell out of my face that I ever (laughs) have. And I did very little editing on it because I wanted to see what it would be like to have copy that may have been not necessarily, you know, perfect, but was very authentic to the experience I was having right then and Mm. authentically wanted to share with people. And I went down and shot a two-minute video on the beach of basically me yelling at the camera over the waves, right? Yeah, I saw that, yep. Very imperfect. That teleclass, and again, not a webinar, that sold absolutely nothing, by the Mm. way. Mm -hmm. All I did was teach a solid hour of the five principles that we actually used to create what we created to be able to move. And so the whole point was, you know, if you're looking to create something that's really important to you, you want to have these five principles into play. And here are the ways to get those five principles off the ground for yourself. So this was pure teaching. 
all I did was let people know that if they felt pulled to go deeper and that they wanted to create something like this, that I had spots open to consult with me one-on-one to talk about their specific situation, here's the link to book a 30-minute conversation. Mm. And that one teleclass actually made my year for income. Wow. And I had fewer than 100 people live. Is that right? No kidding. Wow. I was going to ask about your reach, but maybe we'll get to that. Wow, that's fantastic. What a great answer. And so, well, I guess that is an appropriate follow-up if, you, if, if, if I'm not interrupting. No, let's do, I can give you the numbers on this too. I, had, um, I only had about 500 people on my mailing list. Okay. I was only working with people one-on-one because again, and kind of going with what works or doesn't work for you, I'm not a big fan of teaching group classes online because I'm far too much of a kind of a Sicilian grandmother in training and I want you with me. <laughs> I want you sitting at my table eating my pasta. So yeah. I, do, I don't like it when you go away. You can come here and learn. And so <laughs> don't piss off grandma. Uh, and the rest of you, stop fidgeting. Stop All right. So 500 people, you get 100 on the call, so you convert 20% to actually show up. Yep. And I didn't have a lot of uh, colleagues at that point who were, you know, reposting, retweeting, re, you know, whatevering. Mm-hmm. what I was doing. Now I do, but you know, my, I didn't have that kind of reach at the time, but I did, you know, I put it everywhere that I could do it at the time. I invited everybody on Facebook and I did have a maxed out Facebook friend list. Mm-hmm. I, I still do. Mm-hmm. And I did not have anyone on Twitter and I had about 800 people at the time on LinkedIn and I invited all of them as well. Great. Amazing. So, and so you, like you said, no selling, you're just there, you're laying these out these five principles, you're living proof that it can happen because of your, your own accomplishments using the methods and uh, what happens from there. So you make the offer to, is there an application? Do they just send you an email? How do they, what's the next step? So I used, at the time I was using Time Trade, which is a time software. You and I both now use Calendly. And I, yep. would, I would recommend, either one of those is fine. I actually like Calendly better now. But it really just gave us an opportunity to set things up. There were questions that they needed to answer in order to confirm. And they were basic questions. I think there were about six of them. And that's just a kind of a basic screening process to let me know that, first of all, they're serious about not wasting my time. Yeah. Um, and also to give them the opportunity to think it through that, you know, because you can tell based on somebody's questions, if you're answering those questions, if you feel comfortable with those questions or not. So right there is kind of a gateway to see if it's a good fit. And then in that 30 minute conversation, I do have a guide that I follow, an enrollment conversation, but it's become so much a part of me over the years. But really, it's, it's more of an interview mm. of that client. Mm-hmm. to see where they're going, where they're at, where they want to be. There's some questions to kind of gauge how serious they are, because if, when I work with people one-on-one, I do work pretty deeply. And I want to know that they're going to be in this for the hall and not, you know, bug out of the process. I get, you know, in many ways, a partnership is the way I coach. Right. So, and then, you know, several of those folks who became clients out of that conversation worked with me for a year, 18 months. I actually still have one of those folks from that call who's now working with me into her going on two and a half years now. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's not because she's not making progress. It's because she continues to expand. Right. Yeah. Awesome. And so talk about, you know, what is, what is the coaching like? It's one, uh, do you want to talk numbers? I'll let you decide if it's, you can really 
you actually say what you charged people and and (laughs) you don't have to, you don't have to go that deep, (laughs) but uh, I'm fascinated by the idea that, you know, you're the one who said it, (laughs) it made your year. Right. So, so just tell me how many people signed up from that. And and was it like a monthly agreement or were they buying in for the whole year? I had a a couple different packages at that time. I do things a little bit differently now. So at the time I had a kind of a mini coaching package with several sessions to give people a taste and actually see if we wanted to go deeper. And then I had a um, a one-year program. It was an intensive one-year program to really get people rolling because I find that when people are committed and really doing the work, they on average will double their income and double their free time mm. within a year. Awesome. And that isn't so much... Yes, there's the coaching. Yes, there's all the information I'm giving them, but ultimately they need to be willing to apply it. Right. So it it has a lot to do with the trust in the relationship and also their trust in themselves. So a lot of the things we work on initially in the coaching relationship is getting them clear on what their values are, what's really important to them, what's the lifestyle they want to have, what are their strengths, what are the avenues that they actually want to be, you know, working inside of. Yeah. Because there's a lot of places you can go and find formulas. You know, we talked about that in the beginning of the show, but lasting change is very personal. Mm, Great. Very, very personal. Mm. And a lot of business coaches also will not deal with the personal side of things, either because they're not qualified to, they're not comfortable to. My background is in therapy. I'm a trained therapist, Mm. as well as being a fourth generation entrepreneur. So, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff's going to go down when you're creating a business. And, you know, you got to be uh, ready as much as you can, or at least willing to work through the the ups and downs of that. Yeah, deal with it. There's going to be swings, money wise, success wise. Some days you're going to feel like you can do no wrong. Otherwise, you can f- feel like nobody possibly could care. Yep. <laughs> and uh, when you have somebody consistently in your corner who understands you, understands your your head trash, understands your your superpowers. You know, it's amazing to have somebody you can check in with to go, hey, it's it's going to be all right. Remember remember two months ago when this happened or yes. something, you know, and you know what, just to have someone, I love that you said it's about trust because when you truly trust somebody to give you honest feedback, it really does help eliminate all the shiny object syndrome and all these things that come along that feel like the next most important thing in our life, which you could possibly completely ignore and have it affect you in no way whatsoever. <laughs> and then yeah. there's it, it, you know, things that you probably should be paying attention to. So what what are a couple of things that you've seen over and over with with the people you coach that, you know, if you could just give like one piece of advice to somebody and go, you know, just know this. Is there one thing that stands oh, wow. out like that? Wow. Well, one thing that stands out that I think is universal, not just to all my clients, but to to human beings in general, is when you think that it's a circumstance that is causing you to not succeed, stop looking at the circumstance and start looking at where you're feeling afraid. Even if that fear is not showing up as fear, like terror or like I'm scared of the dark kind of fear, but is showing up as I'm worried this will never happen, or they're going to screw me over, or I'm never going to make it through on this budget, or whatever the flavor of the week is, because it is almost always going to be 
you making a decision based out of fear that sabotages your success rather than the circumstance that caused you to be afraid in the first place. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> I know. I got, I got deep again, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, girl, you got it all. I love you. You're just like, you know, it doesn't matter what I throw at you. you you're just, you're awesome. Tina, this has been great. I'm really excited for your new show. I want everybody to go check you out at creativebusinessoasis.com. I'm sure I don't have to beg anybody to do that after this interview. <laughs> uh, you're super fun. You obviously really know what you're doing here. You're living the proof of what you coach and preach. And I couldn't be a bigger fan. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, the feeling is mutual, my dear. Thank you so much. It was a great, great show. Really appreciate it. Thanks. We'll talk again soon. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Truth About Marketing podcast. If you like this show and you think other people would like this show, the best way to spread the word is by reviewing and rating the show in iTunes. Just log in, click review, leave a big old fat five-star review, and let everybody know that you dig the show so that they can dig it too. To get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode, please go to copychief.com forward slash T-A-M, as in truth about marketing. And if you'd like to learn more about how you can improve your sales copy with uh, templates, formulas, coaching, feedback, or hiring a pro, do all that on the inside of the members area of copychief.com. And I will look for you there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.